Baker Mayfield, undraftable, off my board. The Cleveland Browns select Baker Mayfield. Welcome into the OBR Film Breakdown. I'm your host, Jake Burns. We are here to break down. This thing's going to make its way out on a Sunday, but really this is a Victory Monday thing, so we're going to relish in the Victory Podcast as we go through this thing. Your Cleveland Browns, their victory 31-21 over the Houston Texans. Before we get to today's podcast, which I do have a guest for the recap pods, you're going to hear another voice than mine, thank goodness. We are brought to you by TickPick, T-I-C-K-P-I-C-K.com. TickPick is the original no-fee site. They do a fantastic job of getting you a price that is on the screen. That price is the price you see at the finish line. No hidden fees that double your cost. If you do come across another site with a cheaper ticket, they'll match it up to 110%, which is fantastic. I've used them personally. I will vouch for them. Again, TickPick. Dot com. If you use slash breakdown and use the promo code breakdown, you can get $10 off your first ticket order, tickpick.com slash breakdown. So welcoming in Mr. Stephen Thomas, we are just on the Twitch postgame show. We're going to do our reactions because we want to talk about this game a little bit more. Uh, let's let's welcome in Steve. Steve, how are you? Is Steve with us? He's on mute. Crap. Sorry, forgot. Uh, you're old guy, old guy with technology. Uh, I said I am... Uh... I am one and one. How are you, Jake? <laughs> we are one and one. We are one mm-hmm. and one, man. So we said this 42 times, but some of you don't watch the Twitch channel. I'll let you bat first, Steve. Just tell me your initial reaction to the game, and then I'll give you mine. Well, I mean, like everybody else, it wasn't nearly as exciting and fun as we thought. I mean, we thought they were going to, you know, on paper. And we were far from the only ones that thought it was going to be a big win. I mean, the boys in Vegas... Uh, they know what they're talking about, folks. They don't keep all those lights on in those casinos because they're guessing. They know what they're talking about, and they were just shy of a two-touchdown favorite. So we thought they would come in and uh, walk out of there with a uh, a bigger margin. I don't know what I mean big, a bigger margin, but a more impressive-looking victory. But the point is they played a C game at best, I think, uh, and won by 10 points. Uh, so that's the thing to keep an eye on. We are going to uh, break down what went wrong. Uh, because there was quite a bit uh, on the defensive side of the ball that did not go as well as we had thought. It's legitimate to be, uh, I don't know, let down or disappointed. I hate to say those kind of words after a win, but I think everybody listening knows what I mean when I say that. Um, Questioning, concerns, uh, especially on the defensive side of the ball, those are all legitimate. We are not yet time to panic. There are some people out there I see already on social media wanting to fire everyone, wanting to make these giant trades because they clearly don't have the personnel. And I just, I don't think that's true. I don't think that's true at all. They could have done a lot of things better today. But the biggest thing to take away, the most, the overarching point, once we get out of, you know, the initial reaction and the initial emotion and we move from fan into analyst mode is this. They played subpar. They didn't have their fastball. They still won the game and they won it by 10 points. They're one and one after two weeks. Um, something you and I said off the air, Jake, if they had played last week like they played today, they would have lost by 40-plus to the Chiefs. If they had played this week the way they played last week against Kansas City, they probably would have gone out and had that blowout and won by 30-plus. But they'd still be one and one. So, you know, the best they could have been when we, when we all woke up this morning is, was 1-1. One one. They were 0-1 coming in. You can only win one game at a time. They did it. 
Um, we're waiting to hear on Jarvis, uh, but other than that, I think they avoided major injury. Um, Baker's banged up, obviously. So if you can get a W, especially when you don't play your best, and avoid major injury for the most part, you just move on in the NFL. They're not all going to be pretty, okay? They can't all be tens. Sometimes you have to put a seven on the board and be okay with that. You really do. And, and go back and look at any of the good teams throughout the course of the NFL. There are, te- there are games where they just lay a clunker, but they somehow yep. find a way to win. We talk about it all the time with the great runs Pittsburgh's had, right? Like, they're clearly not playing their best. And last week against Buffalo is an example, but they found a way to win the football game. You just you find a way to win. And the Browns are trying to get there culturally, like they're, they're working in that direction, but it's a process. And, and I thought today was a really nice step. Uh, I, you know, I talk pretty often about drives when the game matters that that 82 yard drive in the fourth quarter when it was 24 21 that was great to see and I think the the big point that you're making about them not having their best game like this just happens it's it's a movie called any given Sunday for a reason there are some Sundays where you show up and some Sundays where you don't when you're counting on 11 other people to do a job 10 other people at any given time on a play sometimes things go sideways and don't forget that the other team has paid money to play well too and sometimes they just play well and in this game i thought the texans which is a concern you've heard me talk about all week on this podcast is a team that is chock full of veterans who just know how to do things it doesn't necessarily mean they're world beaters they're not going to go above and beyond they're not going to break a long play that's just not who they are but there are a bunch of guys who are well pretty well coached obviously have been well coached in their career are pretty solid football players overall and you had to play well to beat them. I don't think the Texans are going to be a pushover for anybody. Now, if their quarterback's going to be this young quarterback the rest of the year, that probably does make them a giant pushover. But, like, to me, they're, they're just a solid group. They're, they're, they're a team that you, you have to go out and beat. I don't expect them to give games away. Let me put it that right. way. I think that's the biggest thing. They came into Cleveland with a lot of confidence, a lot of motivation, clearly more motivation. And I think Cleveland showed up with a very vanilla game plan on both sides of the ball. The thought that they were going to win because they were, you know, they have the better roster. It's at home. I think there was an element of this game from both the coaches, who I thought were a little underprepared, and the players performing on the field, where I got the vibe, this is just me personally, that it was just a show-up win game. And I know they probably said otherwise, but they read the same reports that we do, or that we write, or the things that we talk about, or the que- they know they're 13.5-point favorites. They just didn't show up. So, like you said... You played a B plus, a B minus, C plus, maybe even worse game, and you won by ten. You found a way to get it done. Now, Tyrod leaving in the second half did change things for them, uh, the, the Texans. There's no denying that. But we can only talk about what actually happened. And they played better in the second half, and that's what you needed to see. So, again, it's not just like we talked about the first week. It's it's the same sort of thing, man. They need sample size. Let's let it grow. Uh, but they're definitely a team that can be better in all phases. They're not nearly a finished product. They didn't arrive a finished product. They got a long way to go. It's a long season. They're one and one. That's what you wanted. You could you could do no better, like you said. If you played your A-plus ball or your C-minus ball, you could only come out of it one and one, and they're one and one. Now, we do have to talk about the defense a little bit. The offense put up 355 yards. Again, I thought they were pretty generic. They were also hurt, <clears throat> excuse me, hurt by Jarvis Landry leaving after his first catch of the game. I thought they played a ton of 13 personnel. I have not counted up in my notes how much 13 and 12 they played. Um, Donovan Peoples-Jones, a young rookie, rece- a young second-year receiver, gets a you know, has a tough fumble on a nice drive that's happening there. Anthony Schwartz <clears> stops <throat> on a on a dig route. He looked like it was a dig. We'll see from the All 22. He just kind of stops. I don't know why he got maybe afraid of the safety he saw coming into the picture. Not totally sure on that. Would love to be able to ask him that question. Maybe he does ask it and answers. But offensively, they're pretty sharp, man. I mean, they're 19 of 21 throwing the ball. Nick Chubb runs for 11, just 11 carries, 95 yards. Kareem 13 for 51. 
they were fine. I just thought they were very generic, Steve, because the personnel kind of dictated it, right? You know you were dealing with a roughed-up left tackle who ended up leaving the game. I didn't have any issues with how they played offensively. I thought they could have been a little more creative, but I think they wanted to be generic in this game. But the defense is getting a majority of the conversation. I kind of want your opinion on where they're at defensively. Yeah, uh, it's hard to say. I mean, uh, obviously most of the the initial reaction from fans is it's the same defense uh, that we saw last year. Uh, We talked all offseason about how, and I think it was a legitimate uh, uh, analysis last year, that they simply did not have the personnel to do anything but play deep uh, keep it in front of them and play generic. They just didn't have the people that could do anything else. And we talked all offseason about how much they had, excuse me, upgraded their talent level all around the defense, and they did. So they could do different things. They could do new things. They could put in wrinkles. They could be more aggressive. And we simply haven't seen it. Now, last week, you could write that off, and we did by the fact that uh, you've said this multiple times, so I'm going to steal your line. If you blitz Patrick Mahomes, you're basically, you know, it's a death sentence for your defense because he's going to carve you up. And so it's just not smart to be to do it frequently. You can do it once in a while, but it's not smart to do it frequently. Last week, why there wasn't more of it today, I'm not sure. I don't get paid to make those kinds of decisions. Now, maybe the fact that Anthony Walker was out and you had guys in there, you know, JOK getting more snaps. You had uh, Grant Delpit getting, not a rookie, but basically a rookie getting a lot of his first snaps. Uh, maybe you have some guys that just don't trust the system yet. I mean, we all have to think back, uh, and this is not a, a defense or an argument against Joe Woods. I'm simply saying, they traded for Ronnie Harrison last year, and everybody thought, oh, great, we've upgraded our safety room. And he barely played for almost a month. Uh, and the thing that leaked out was the scheme that they run is complex. It takes a lot of communication. It takes a lot of understanding to get it and play it. And now you're not being asked to play just play it. But with this team, you're being asked to play it at a championship level. So maybe that's part of it. Maybe they just... Don't trust some of the personnel to know some of the less vanilla, more aggressive things yet. I don't know. I'm just speculating here. Uh, that could be uh, part of the problem. But again, I think the, the I said this over and over and over, and I said it from about the middle of the second quarter on. I think the vast majority of the problem today uh, came from two things. One, everything you said about the Texans. They're a veteran group. If you give them something, they're going to take it. They understand how to play. They're not going to make all pros if they have, you know, a, a Super Bowl championship bonuses in their in their contract. They're probably not going to get that. But these guys know how to play football. They know how to do it at, at a, an NFL level. And the Browns really didn't challenge them in a lot of different ways, too. They were flat, and we said it all week. I was shocked by that. I really did not think that this team, this coaching staff, and this locker room would allow themselves to lose focus uh, the way they apparently did. They came out, and you could feel it in the stadium. It, it just it, it was palpable that it was a very flat game on both sides of the ball, especially on the defense. They were very emotionless, kind of going through the you know going through the motions, and I think that is a lot of it. Now that's not an excuse. I'm just saying that that's probably why if you. They have the talent to put the, the Texans offense on skates. Let's put it that way. They have the talent that if they wanted to, they could make Tyrod make some seriously tough decisions in a rapid fashion. And they didn't do that. They barely moved him off of his first read, as you have said, all day. And I don't care what level of NFL quarterback you are. If you're the emergency practice squad guy and you get called up, if you're thrown to your first read all the time, I, I mean, that that's a dream. Quarterbacks 
dream about waking up and their first read being the option and being open all day long. And that's basically what happened today. Now, when you take all of that into account, if your defense is consistently holding opposing offenses to 21 points, you're going to win a lot of football games in the NFL because great defense doesn't mean six and a half points a game like the 2000 Ravens anymore. Great defense means you get three, four, maybe five stops in a game, hopefully a turnover. And then you have the offense like the Browns do to go out and average 30 plus points a game, which is what they're doing right now. So if they can consistently hold teams to right around 20, they're going to win a lot of football games. That being said, I, if, if it's week eight, week 10, week 12, and we're still having this exact same discussion about why are they being so vanilla, why are they laying back in shell, that's going to be a problem as far as the overall goal of this team, which, as we all know, is to win the Super Bowl in February. Yeah, you're talking right there. So essentially what we're saying is uh, the problem with the defense is I posted on Twitter. They're not getting any sacks. They didn't produce any sacks. Talked all pregame about the number was five for me, five between sacks right. and turnovers, get to five. They only got to, they got one sack and a couple turnovers, but only one was generated by the defense, a special teams turnover. But anyway, right. um, what I'm getting at here is w- what's going on is there's talent up front. And you're talking about it right, Steve. There's talent in the secondary and there's talent up front that they should be able to get quarterbacks to hold the football longer. Because, you know, you can you can have, and I made the, 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 the statement on, on Twitch, you could have 60 on Sanders in the secondary, but if you – are not disguising coverage, you're not pressuring people right. to, to, to do things they're uncomfortable doing, then you're, you're going to give up passing yards. Because what they're not doing right now, either it's A, teams have the Browns so schemed up, they know exactly how they're going to react to things. Like I talked to John Stephenson about it. We did the defensive video that's up on YouTube. Anytime the Browns face three by one in a long third and pass situation, they're going to run uh, what's called quarters poach. They're going to poach check. They're going to have the backside safety read number three, which puts Denzel Ward uh, almost in a one-on-one. You saw the first third and nine of the game. They threw that uh, sort of... Uh, what do you call it? A, a little bit of a blaze out concept where he sells the post and works back outside. It's basically a one-on-one throw, but it is zone, half man, half zone. So if analysts like myself and John can break that down and predict it, I'm guaranteeing other NFL teams are. So what they have to do is start moving quarterbacks off their first three. They can get home. They can pressure quarterbacks with their front four. But if you're not getting a quarterback to come off of his first read and be confused for a split second, they're never going to get home. So I think that the talent increase has happened. We all thought the talent increase was going to help. So far, it has, right? We're not trying to say nothing has helped. Like, they've gotten better, but they they have to start now confusing offenses. If they don't confuse offenses and make quarterbacks come off their first read, it's going to be a miserable year. It's early. It could change, but they're not blitzing much. I will go into that data for the defensive comprehensive notes and check into it and tell you whether they have blitzed it and where they rank in the league. I don't think they sent very many more than five blitzers often today. Like, I just can't think of to myself, other than Delpit, but I think on that Delpit blitz, it was a fire zone where they only ended up bringing four. They just disguised who blitzed. So, again, the data could be wrong, but off the top of my head, I cannot think of many times that they truly blitzed the quarterback. So, again, they could be, like we talked about before the Chiefs game, Steve, they could have been being vanilla because they didn't get the time they needed with everybody. They needed more time training camp, a lot of hamstring Part injuries. Of it, it could be. <clears throat> we were confused whether they were going to try to be tricky or vanilla because vanilla was what they could trust that the guys wouldn't have any broken plays. It is clearly... This defense is eliminating the big play. They want to take it away at all costs. Any post, any seam, they want to take it away. And uh, the the Greg Williams defense, the defense before we had, and, and even Steve Wilkes was a little bit more towards Joe Woods, but the Greg Williams defense, you remember, is like as aggressive as you can be. Try to make a negative play early to put a team in a long situation. Now you expose yourself and you play a free safety about 30 yards back. It's just different philosophy. So 
A lot of what they're trying to do is just keep the defense on the same page and eliminate big plays. Well, what is happening is the lack of creativity. And you don't you don't have to blitz to have secondary creativity. You can, you just need to to muddy the picture pre-snap to post-snap. What I mean by it is come out in a, in a quarter shell and then play cover three off of it. Come out in a single high and rotate somebody back into deep coverage and play cover two. You had to trick quarterbacks. These quarterbacks are so good these days about deciphering coverages pre-snap to post that if you stay in the same look pre-snap to post-snap all the time, it's going to be bad. Like Pro Football Focus tracks that. They track what teams do, whether they go open to closed or closed to open in terms of, in terms of coverage rotations. That's a way you can decipher whether you're uh, mixing coverages up pre-snap to post-snap. That's a way to kind of evaluate quarterback play, too, to see how guys do when team when defenses disguise coverage. I'm going to guess. I'll talk to John Costco from PFF. I'm going to guess they're not doing much of it. Just, you know, we're not seeing the full field until we get the All-22, but the first week they didn't do much of it. I don't expect they're going to do a ton in this one, or they did a ton in this one. So the point of what I'm saying is, you can blitz four, but if a quarterback doesn't have to come off his first read, he's never going to panic. The Belichick motto is what, Steve? We talked about it just a bit ago. you got to make teams do, teams do what they're not comfortable doing. If you right. let a team do what they're most comfortable doing all the time, they're going to get into a rhythm. They're going to throw. The, they're going to get the ball out on time. They're going to run when they want to. Like you got to make teams do the things they're uncomfortable doing. If you can make Tyrod Taylor beat you with uh, cover, you know, perfect throws up the sideline or perfect throws down the middle of the field over and over again, you, okay. But if I can't if I can't make Tyrod beat me by making difficult throws, then what are we doing? So. That's the thing you want to see them do is get to the point that they're taking away these early, easy answers for quarterbacks and confusing them. Because if you can get them to hold on to the ball a bit longer than normal, that's when Miles gets home. Think about a lot of the Miles sacks. A lot of them are either he beats the guy so quick he gets home or he's able to chase down a quarterback. Think of the Joe Burrow sacks last year in, in Cincinnati. He's chasing a guy across the field. So you got to get quarterbacks uncomfortable. Right now they're not making them uncomfortable. You can make them uncomfortable with coverage of disguise or you can make them uncomfortable by blitzing them. The Browns aren't doing either of those things. So, again, having said that, though, they could easily be 2-0. They're 1-1. they got a young quarterback coming in next week from, from Chicago who looks like Justin Fields is going gonna, is gonna to arrive playing, whether if Andy Dalton's knee checks out, we'll see. But they're going to get a young quarterback. they got a chance to flip the script a little bit, play a bit more aggressive. We did see some, man, uh, not enough. Did see some, but they got to keep mixing this thing up. But kind of shifting to, to players that I thought popped. Well, let me just go say ahead. This go ahead. Too. Another thing too is they might just still be trying to figure out who they are. Yeah, which of it, we're two games in. I mean, outside of the Chiefs and the Buccaneers, I would say everyone in the league is still trying to figure out who they are. What do we do well? What do we not do well? How can we fix those things? That's that's what's going on. I mean, you look at it right. The Panthers are two and zero. Oh, okay, uh, the Denver Broncos are two and zero. Oh. Uh, the Raiders are too. I would have never picked the Raiders to go in in Pittsburgh and, and win with the, that Pittsburgh front wall and defense. I would have never picked that today. So, you know, I, I mean, look, at the, the, the Saints beat the Packers, whoever who, uh, almost everyone was picking to go to the Super Bowl, beat them last week. What, 87 to nine or something like that. And they go in and just get absolutely waxed by the Carolina Panthers, 26 to seven today. So. It, inconsistency abounds in the NFL early in the season. This is just the way it is for most teams. And I would say once again, the consistent part of the Browns is 30 points on offense. They did not have it today, and they still put up 31 points without really doing anything all that spectacular. So let's just breathe a little bit. Let's look at it. Let's analyze it. Let's 
question it. Absolutely. Do I believe Joe Woods should be questioned at this point? Yes, I, I think he absolutely should be. Do I think he should be fired like certain parts of the fan base are saying and probably some people in the media? No, not yet. Now, like you said on the Twitch post game show, if it's week eight, week 10, and we're still asking these exact same questions, then maybe something something's going to happen because you got to be... You know, the, the way we looked at it today, you and I had this conversation. I'll, I'll make this as succinct as I can. The, the Texans are better than the sum of their parts. The Texans are individually don't have you know, anybody that, that scares the living daylights out of you, but they play well. They do their role. They're great in their role. The Browns' defense thus far is nowhere near as good as the sum of their parts. They have the talent at all three levels of the defense, in my opinion, to be at least top half of the league, if not in the uh, elite range. I think they have that kind of talent. Thus far, they are not playing like it. Now, will they get there next week or the week after or three weeks from now? Very well could. They, they very well could. But uh, right now, they deserve all of the questioning and scrutiny that they're about to get on the defensive side of the ball because that was an uninspired effort today, even in a W. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And we talk, too, about how sometimes offenses can get mad at an OC who's not calling the game the right way. I would imagine there's some of that on the defense, too, where, hey, man, coach doesn't think we can do this stuff. There's no creativity involved in this game plan. This isn't fun. They want to have fun, too. JOK likes to blitz, you know? Like, John Johnson likes to creep up, play close to the line of scrimmage sometimes. There needs to be some co- uh, you know, getting together. I can't find the word right now. I'm out of words. They need cohesion. to get together, cohesion, maybe cooperation on that whole thing, game planning it, and figuring out what guys can do and getting creative with them. Because right now, again, for any reason, and you can we can pull up some data and probably have a really good question for Joe Woods on this, they're being very bland. And that, again, could be the product of getting all these guys now on the same page, you know, Greedy's coming back, you got rookie Greg Newsom. you got Grant Delpit's essentially a rookie, you got... You got Ronnie Harrison missed last week. I get it. There are clear, undeniable excuses for being very bland right now, but they have to figure out ways to, to confuse quarterbacks. Like, as of as I sit here right now, Sunday, right. 543, I, I haven't watched the All-22. They could have done more than I thought uh, from a coverage perspective, but from a blitz perspective, it's not happening right now. So we'll see what they do. They have opportunities to do more of that stuff. I hope they do because, as you mentioned, right now, they're they're not they're not giving those guys a chance to do some of the things I think they're capable of doing. Your point about the Texans and the sum of the parts is so spot on. 
they have the ability to do this now. This was a big part of what we thought they could do with better players. So we need to see that that whole thing intertwined. We need to see some of those things come together. Now that they're getting healthy, and they are pretty healthy on the defensive side of the ball, we should see we should see more of that. So as we switch over and kind of switch subjects, we're not going to talk a ton more about about any one side of the floor. I want to talk a couple players. I want to talk about your opinion on two guys coming into today, which are essentially both rookies. One's Demetric Felton. I know this is his second game, but he got a feature role. Now, feature role kind of because he had to take over for Jarvis a little bit there playing the slot as their second slot guy. I liked a lot of what I saw from Demetric Felton, and not just the receiving side, but the special team side, some good punt returns. And then, two, you got to talk about Grand Delpit. So what did you see from the youngsters there that you really liked? Well, I mean, it's easy to to look at uh, Demetric Felton and, and talk about what you liked. I mean, you know, he's <laughs> he made some NFL level defenders look rather silly. Uh, some of them looked like me trying to tackle him out there. Of course, you know, I would have torn both my ACLs and probably separated my shoulders and uh, maybe sprained my brain or something and trying <laughs> to tackle him. But, uh, you know, uh, he did make them look kind of silly. And that was the thing that I texted you in the moment. And uh, I, I, I'm always glad when I text Jake something that comes into my head. And, and the far superior football mind breaks it down and goes, yeah, you're right. That always makes me feel good because if Jarvis is out for any extended length of time, one of his large roles in this team, his his skill set that has earned him, uh, you know, all the money and all the accolades, he doesn't run by you. That's never been his game. He's not a nine route guy. He's not going to beat you down the field. He takes a seven yard pass makes the first guy miss, and consistently turns it into a 12, 14, 17-yard gain. That's what he does. That's huge in the NFL. And Demetric Felton, with his short area wiggle, his his ability to make the first and sometimes the second guy miss, it, it, in with subtle moves, like it's, the jukes that he puts on are so subtle, it's amazing to me. I love the moves that he makes, the change of direction skills that he has. If he can step up in, in Jarvis's absence and provide that same piece of the offensive puzzle and it appears that he can that would be huge uh for for the cleveland browns because yeah the arguments about jarvis on both sides are you know well known and i'm not going to get into them here but what he provides to the offense in that role is critical you need that kind of stuff you can't do that all with your tight ends i mean you got to have somebody who can take that that ball and break it for a little bit further of a run and and uh, uh after the catch and Demetric showed today that what we saw in the preseason doesn't just happen against twos and threes he can make he can make starters on defense look rather silly. And so if he can be worked into the rotation there, that would be huge. Of course, it's another opportunity for Hollywood Higgins to step up because we're going to need him. And he had a few catches today. He looked good. He just The guy just makes plays, makes play, made a big third down conversion, if I remember correctly, and, and made it by one yard, which is what he loves to do. It's amazing how that guy knows exactly where one yard past the sticks is and gets there on a consistent basis. So with Jarvis Nice, nice out, to have those guys, right, Steve, just step in and like just hand yeah. and glove it. I mean, I think Felton's 51 receiving yards, 46 of them were yards after catch, which was something they, they didn't have last year. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, when, when your starters can go down and you have guys that come in, and I'm not going to say he's just as good at Jarvis. I'm not getting into all that. That's an argument I really don't want him to wade into. But when it's not a huge drop-off, as it has been for decades here in Cleveland, from the starters to whoever the hell we have coming in behind the starters, it's a huge advantage because the offense can stay on schedule. Baker can continue scanning the entire field. He doesn't have to say, oh, okay, well, Jarvis isn't out there. I'm not even going to look at that route because, you know, Joe Schmo is out there. Well, no. No, we don't have Joe Schmo right now. We have somebody who's pretty darn good. Uh, I mean, uh, Hollywood Higgins is a guy that just 
keeps making plays. Demetric Felton showed today that he can be he can break some stuff. I mean, his return game stuff was exciting as well. He was about the most exciting uh, thing that happened all day, really. Um, he was the only thing that really got the uh, the crowd and the stadium moving. He can inject some emotion into a flat performance, and he did it today. As far as Grant Delpit goes, uh, I have to wait for your breakdown uh, to get specific. But I, I noticed early on, I said, wow, he looks like he's being really active. And that's good. I don't know what his final stat line was. I mean, he obviously had the two big hits and the one big sack and all that. And that's fantastic. And if he can do that on a regular basis, boy, is that fun. Uh, if he can be the guy we all thought he could be during his draft cycle, the, the long-term effect that that will have on this defense and the ripple effect it'll have on the second level and the first level that he can do all of these different things will be immense. So I liked his, his uh, aggression. I liked the fact that he was active, that he was all over the place. I'm sure after we look at the film, it's his first game. He's not technically a rookie, but basically he's a rookie. I'm sure he made two, three, four stupid mistakes and was out of place a couple of times and apparently got away with it because, you know, he never mentioned he was never mentioned on the broadcast as being a guy who gave up a big play. But I'm, to expect him to come in and be perfect is not something that you can do with somebody who's basically a rookie. But I was I was encouraged by his speed. I was encouraged that uh, he had some big hits and did not look like he was favoring uh, the Achilles at all, I couldn't tell you right now off the top of my head which foot it was because he didn't look like it was concerning to him at all. I'm sure it was heavily taped and all that kind of stuff. But uh, I, I think his addition, and we saw John Johnson make some plays. We saw Ronnie Harrison make some plays close to the line of scrimmage and in the backfield, especially on the goal line, uh, right before they gave up that last touchdown to force that third down. Um, I, a lot of that was due to the fact that Grant Delpit was in the game. Had he been in the game last week, even after Ronnie Harrison got ejected, they might have had a slightly different game plan, and it might have been worth four points. I think his presence can be that good in the long term. So I'm excited to see his grades. I'm excited to see the breakdown of the whole thing. But overall, I thought the all the rookies, really, JOK made a couple nice pass breakups. The all the young guys injected some excitement today in what was otherwise a very bland, emotionless, flat game. Yeah, I don't know if it was organized that way from the Brown side. Maybe Baker's shoulder thing happened, and they uh, they decided they didn't want to push the football field down anymore. You know, down the field a ton more. They didn't really put him in the gun uh, as much. Now, some of that's also maybe tied to your left tackle situation with Jed coming mm-hmm. out, but. I don't know. Offensively, kind of vanilla. Thought they could, and they did. L- listen, they they started out slow. They didn't run the ball very well early, but I thought they figured, as they seem to always do, Steve, figure out what's going to work throughout the game. Mm-hmm. And if I look at this thing quarter by quarter, which this fancy little NFL site uh, will allow me to do that, I'm sure that I will see that they were able to run the football effectively in the third and fourth quarter way more than they were in the first and second. I mean. Nick runs 11 times for 95. That's a ridiculous ratio. He's almost running 10 yards per carry. So um, it's it's okay. I mean, I, I just think the offense, again, when you're missing your top two receivers, then the guys who uh, are your best, I don't know that you could label the best playmaker. Again, an argument I don't want to get into, but they're missing playmakers. And to be able to go out and put up 31 points was still impressive enough. To go for 350 and have balance 200 or passing 200, a 156 rushing total, That's a it's a pretty good day. 6.2 yards per play. You always want to be over that six mark. Again, the 10 minutes more in possession, possession, you love that as well. Kicking has been good today. I thought it was really solid. Uh, All your extra points made, a field goal was made. Uh, You love to see that stuff being clean. And I think their special teams looks pretty good collectively in terms of coverage and all of that too. So you really do like to see that. We will have a Grant Delpit 
piece that'll go up because you want to study Grant. We'll probably look a little bit into Demetric Felton. Things that are particularly uh, uh, of interest to me, Steve, is going to be defensive blitz stuff, coverage stuff. Are they disguising coverage, right? Those are two things that I think everybody should care about right now. How often are they blitzing and how often are they disguising coverage, meaning going from too high, what's called open, too high safeties, to closed, which is then one safety? Or how often are they going from one safety pre-snap to two safeties post-snap when they're wheeling guys out? So those are the things we need to decipher. As far as the offensive side, I thought from my note-taking throughout the game, they ran a ton of multi-tight end sets, and they would even go, I would have to count it up. I think there were seven or eight, 13 personnels, three tight ends, empty two. I like Harrison Bryant being a little more involved today, four catches, 59, Hooper five for 40. So you had... 11 targets for over 100 yards to your tight ends, which is always a good thing to see because I think you can use all of those guys, right? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, We've said it a million times. People say, oh, Kevin Stefanski is a running guy. Kevin Stefanski is a passing guy. Everybody has their opinions. And you and I have said this repeatedly. You know what kind of a guy Kevin Stefanski is? Whatever's working today. And that because winning is the only thing that's important in the end. And so today he figured out, what they had to do to win. And and that's what he went to. We're going to throw to our tight ends. We're going to keep it short. We're going to give the ball to Nick. We're going to, they gave that Nick got, um, his usage was a little strange to me uh, in the middle of the game today. And maybe that was by design. Maybe it was just game flow. I, maybe he was nicked up. I don't know. But um, Kareem got a ton more carries in the middle portion of the game uh, than he normally does. Um, and, and then, of course, Nick came in. And as you said, he's one of the best, if not the best, closers in the league and, and you know, dropped his shoulder and delivered the blow. And basically they said, here's what we're going to do. We're going to we're going to hand it to these guys. We're going to run it down your throat. We're going to get a 10 point lead with less than five minutes to play. And your rookie quarterback is going to have to beat us uh, from 10 points behind with one timeout. Go for it. And that was what was working. Um, so I think. The tight ends being involved, somebody said it yesterday, uh, I think it was during the Penn State-Auburn game, they were talking about how, what an advantage, it might have been Herbie, talking about what an advantage it is for an offensive coordinator to have multiple athletic tight ends and how that can stress a defense. Now, obviously, he was speaking about it on a collegiate level, but at, at certain points, football is football, and I think you would agree with me. I've heard you say it many times. It translates to the NFL level. If you have two or three guys at that position who are as good and as deep as this Browns tight end group is, you can make up for a loss of a Jarvis. You can make up for two games without Odell. Uh, you can make up for mistakes from your rookies and your young guys and DPJ and Anthony Schwartz both made what could have been potentially game-changing mistakes today. So you lean on the guys that are there that day. You lean on the guys that are producing until somebody else starts to produce. And I think that's what they did. And that's something we haven't mentioned to this point that we probably should. Uh, Looking forward for this offense, one, again, flat, uninspired, did not have their fastball, still put up over 30 points. But let's keep this in mind, too. I don't expect them to have that flat of a performance again. And they're getting 13 back next week. He may not be 100% next week. But if over the course of this season he returns to be that guy that we all remember, if Odell is Odell, that's going to change things drastically for this offense because he's that good. So uh, I know there's not a lot of people upset about the offense right now. Just looked a little choppy and flat and uneven today keep keep pants on okay you know we're uh, which sounds weird coming from me but uh, <laughs> my point is uh odell is coming back and if he can be even 80 percent of odell a lot of these other things are going to fall into place on the offensive side of the ball 
Yeah, Odell, Odell makes a difference. Even if he's not 100%, he's 90%. He's just a guy that magnetizes attention, and that changes how teams game plan. He's a, he's a guy like that, so he will be a welcome back player. As for Baker, another strong completion percentage game, 19 of 21, and, and those other two we mentioned, he threw one up the hash that was a miss, but another one was a uh, a miss there to uh, the, the interception ball where I thought his guy, Anthony Schwartz, Anthony Schwartz should have kept going. Uh, he got the ball out quick today. As it sits right now, now I know some games are going on, and it's only, as I said earlier, it's not even 6 o'clock yet, but he was the fastest time to throw guy today. Uh, he's right there with Tom Brady at 2.44 seconds, according to next-gen stats. That's great. We don't know the aggressiveness percentage yet. They don't have that updated for him for some weird reason. Uh, the <clears throat> the uh, intended air yards uh, is, is, is a shorter number because the ball got out so fast today, 5.3. It was way higher last week. But the completion percentage at 90%, uh, best in the league for the week as it sits currently at the second. And his uh, number above expected completion percentage is currently really, really strong at 10.4 coming off last week, which was, I believe, a 20 uh, a twenty number over last week. So he should be near the top and in at the difference between his completion percentage on the positive side, which is huge. He's 13 net percentage points over expected completion percentage, which is a number you keep hearing more and more about, but it's saying he's completing throws that we maybe in a neutral situation would not expect him to complete. So that's great to see. I think the Browns right and now would... have eight rushing touchdowns through two games, which is the most they've ever had to start in their season in NFL or in, in, in Browns history. So again, don't freak out about the touchdown numbers. He's thrown one touchdown, two picks. I, I'm not freaking out about that. The touchdowns will come. They'll be in the red zone so often it'll work itself out. But right now he's playing strong football. He's throwing the football accurately. I like what I've seen from Baker Mayfield collectively. And today he showed what uh, uh, what Fred has been saying. Um, I think he ran the ball what four or five times. He scrambled, and you know, I mean, Stop he's not. Stop taking he's hits, never... though, man. God, well, yeah. Slide, Learn man. how to slide. Learn how to slide, or at least get out of bounds like he did a few times. He's never going to be Lamar Jackson. Nobody's saying that. But if he's he becomes a guy who can pick up a third and two with his legs, that's another thing for the defense to worry about. If he shows he can consistently get out of the pocket when everything is covered and get you know even if it's just three, four, five yards. That adds up, you know, and it frustrates a defense. You've said it many times. There's there's not many things more frustrating for a defense than doing everything right. And then the quarterback uh, beat you with his legs for a first down. So he did it a few times today. They did what they had to do to win, uh, which is a huge step up from most of the past two decades. Uh, if with the talent level they've had in, in years past, if they had played their C&D game, they would have got waxed by anybody in the NFL until the last couple of years. This year, the fact that they could come out and and do what they did, basically lay an egg uh, for a lot of the day and still come out with a W, that speaks volumes to the potential of this team. And like you said way back at the beginning of this pod, the Patriots have won a ton of games over the last 20 years in the in the Tom Brady era. But you go through, and, and the Steelers are a great example of this too, how many times? Three or four times a year. How the hell did they win that game? They are so lucky. God, I hate them. Blah, 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 blah. Well, I would like the Browns to become a team that other fan bases hate because they think we're just lucky because we can win games when we're not playing at our best. And that's what they did today. So... Again, no one's making excuses. No one's saying you shouldn't be concerned. I'm not saying, oh, it doesn't matter that they look like crap at times. That's not what I'm saying. Those are all legitimate things to be asking about. Just step back a little bit. Even with all that, they got the W. So let's just keep it going next week and go 1-0 against Chicago. Yeah, and, and Bakeman, we, we know you're tough. You don't have to go tackling people on interceptions. Cause I, I, thought, <laughs> I thought that was pretty bad. I thought it could have been a collarbone, the way his arm bent. You just you got, you got can't do it. You, someone, 
he's going to say it this week. He's, he knows it, but you can't do it. It's good. I see him in the postgame presser. He doesn't have ice on it or anything. So maybe it was just a, 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 I don't know, maybe it was a freak thing that made him Stinger panic or, or something. something. Yeah, yeah. You got to hope because you don't you don't want him dealing with more shoulder issues. Remember, he had that shoulder issue early in last year uh, that, that gave him some trouble going into the Pittsburgh game, I believe, that uh, – that lingered for a little while, so you don't want him dealing with that. So, yeah, slide as much as you can. You don't have to be a hero when you throw an interception. Somebody will get that guy to the ground. You need Baker Mayfield. It was really nice to see him tough that out and come back, and uh, I thought it brought some inspiration to everybody too. So, He's a stud, man. He's he is, a leader. He is a leader. Feel good about it. They're one-on-one, man. This was fun uh, in terms of – I know everybody wanted to have more fun with it. I get it. You always want your team to play better. Everybody does all the time, but they won by 10. Celebrate your victory Monday. Have some good coffee. Sprinkle in a little bit of something with your coffee if you want to. You enjoy it. You deserve it. Browns fans seem to show out. Hopefully everybody stayed safe, had a great time. It was a great showing, and they're going to need you back there next weekend for a uh, for a game that they, they flat out need to win, need to get to 2-1. and one. That's all that matters right now, right, Steve? Yeah, absolutely, and that's the thing, too. Like we've said uh, over and over and over, the, the first step is win the division. They've never won the North, never once, and that's the key. That's the first step to getting there is, is to win the division, and right now, Regardless of what Baltimore does later, they're they're leading the division. They're tied for the division lead right now. So keep it keep it in perspective. Be concerned. Ask your questions. Do do your research. You know there are things to be concerned about, but uh, keep it in perspective. Uh, they won the game and they're currently tied for the AFC North lead. <clears throat> That's right. The word is concern right now, not panic. So don't let yourself panic, man. It's early. It's early. It's okay to concern yourself with some things. But there's no reason to panic right now. We'll track this stuff for you throughout the year. We'll give you insights on all the stuff we're talking about that we're concerned about and keep you keep you up to date. Steve, appreciate your time as usual, my friend. Awesome. Uh, always more fun to come on after a W. Always, always. Guys, we'll be back tomorrow with the Monday Rewind. Myself, Steve, and Andy will be on that Monday Rewind, so check that show out. I'm sure we'll have Cody Sweck in and Fred will be in there as well. Always a fun thing to do when we can get back and uh, sort of see what's gone on uh, from a rewatch perspective and kind of gather our thoughts. So I think those always lend to pretty good shows. So bring your questions for that. We will have a Tuesday, all 22 film breakdown chalk talk session. We'll have that ready to go. If the all 22 gets to me tonight, I'll have something on Grant Delpit. And uh, if not, we'll get to Grant Delpit and Demetrius Felton this week. I promise we'll have your comprehensive offense and defense notes for you as well. Ton of great things to look forward to in the OBR this week. Not the same old Browns Wednesday, OBR Weekly Thursday, Roundtable Friday, Saturday College Prospects Show at 11 a.m. And then we'll be right back for pre and post game with the Bears Sunday. So check it out. Go to the OBR's Twitch and become a, a subscriber ASAP. we still got time in September to get your subscription in. So you should be doing that because great content you don't want to miss. I appreciate your support of this podcast. Keep spreading the word. Appreciate everybody out there. Have a great rest of your Sunday night if you're listening to this on Sunday. If it's your Monday victory day, have a great Monday. And as usual, go Browns. <laughs>